She's always been the type of person that just says things and she just speaks her mind. I guess that has a little bit to do with not having a formal education. Welcome back to the Body Serve. I'm Jonathan. And I'm James. This is episode 40 or episode 8 in season 2. If you're following at home. It's been a bit over two weeks since our last episode or so-called emergency episode. And tennis has been taking a bit of a chill pill since. It's been less frenzied, would you say? It's more about the actual tennis lately. Which is refreshing. Right. (laughs) Considering how much of a breakneck pace. We've been seeing all these scandals in 2016. Yeah, I was getting really exhausted from the outrage. And part of that outrage was my own. Yeah, so, we definitely know, contributed definitely to it. Definitely part of that. But I'm both physically tired right now, but also mentally tired from all of that. So I'm glad to talk about, you know, who won this week, who played well. Before we get into that, though, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the culture that we've been acquiring. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, some of the cultural capital. Since I'm in school and we've been really busy this year, we're trying to do little things here and there. So we saw Kinky Boots last week in Toronto. Uh, Jonathan surprised me with front row tickets. I didn't pay for front row tickets, though. (laughs) (laughs) I I tried to buy the cheapest tickets and they pushed me up front for the same price. I was like, yes. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so that was awesome. That was a really amazing show. And there were a few um, Broadway actors who were in it. The cool thing about theater in Toronto is a lot of times uh, you'll see previews of Broadway shows with the Broadway cast, or you'll get Broadway performers kind of uh, shuttling in between Toronto and New York. So it's really high quality. I loved it. Yeah, it was an amazing show. It really was. And then last week, is it even last week? No, it's still this week. Friday night. Two days ago. Two days ago. <laughs> we went to see Miss Dinah Ross at yeah. Casino Rama with my parents. And let me tell you, when she's off stage and you hear her start to sing, I'm coming out to start the show, <laughs> has there ever been a more appropriate opening to a show ever? A more literal. <laughs> right? <laughs> so Miss Ross, she really just gave you everything I expected. Multiple costume changes. Yeah, I think we saw three or four different gowns. Might have been the same gown, just in different colors. Equipped with <laughs> equipped no. with a folding folding the first, fan. The first one was like a disco jumpsuit. Okay. Remember? And she wore these like really shockingly gaudy furs over them. Like feathers and furs. It was really fabulous. And she also had these fans that she had with her on stage. There were at least three of them in different colors for the different outfits. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Because it's not, you can't just be moving that big head of hair by yourself (laughs) the entire time, you know? Sometimes you need some breeze to help you out. She is a very slight woman, and that is a lot of hair. I would think by now we should have invested in a Mariah wind machine. I don't know, maybe that's just not her aesthetic. (laughs) Her aesthetic is Central Park, raining, windy, show must go on. She uses real ass wind. (laughs) The other highlight of the show, not surprisingly, was when she segued from, do you know where you're going to, 
into Ain't No Mountain uh, high enough. She did, she's been yes. doing that medley since the 70s. But once it becomes evident to the crowd that it's Ain't No Mountain high enough, that's when the mm-hmm. energy really started bumping. Yeah, I think that was that was probably the biggest reaction from the crowd. And honestly, when she goes into the spoken word in Ain't No Mountain High Enough, I am like transported. If you need me, call me. No matter where you are. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. I love the Supremes version of that song. I love that Motown like reinvented each other's songs, Uh you know, because they really changed Marvin and Tammy Terrell's song a lot. Yeah. And you'd see somebody like Aretha recording her friend's song who had recorded it as a hit only a year or two before and then having her own hit. And you can like say Gladys and Marvin Gaye both have definitive versions of I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Mm -hmm. You know, like there are two classic versions of the same song within what, a year of each other? And so that was a, that was a life dream fulfilled, really. We had tickets to see Aretha Franklin once at the same venue, and she canceled. Ugh. I wanted to go see Patti LaBelle. Mm-hmm. Would have been next. It would have been the end of March, and she canceled that. Right. I waited to buy those tickets because I, I assumed because there were so many available that there was a possibility it'd be canceled, and that's mm. what happened. And so, like, I still haven't seen Patti or Aretha, and those two are on my bucket list. We had tickets for Cher, and Cher canceled as well. Yeah, these over 65 divas need to get it together. Right? (laughs) But Diana played two shows. It was actually at this casino about an hour and a half north of Toronto, which really cannot be considered Toronto. It is like boondocks up Uh there. Um, But she played two shows, uh, Thursday and Friday. And I mean, the thing with casino shows, I've never really been to one. And the casino crowd is let's say less engaged pop dome and there's i mean there are a lot of hype white folks in the front few <laughs> rows like wiling out meanwhile the ushers and we experienced this seeing Mariah in, in december in new york city mm-hmm. all they're doing the entire time is trying to stop you from taking pictures oh they're my ruining God. the experience like this is 2016 people have smartphones mm-hmm. deal with it yeah know? and you really think that being like 400 feet away you're really getting that good of an image to stop people from taking it it's these theater shows are all like that though the ushers are always trying to like tamp down on people standing up taking photos dancing just like get out of here i love this one we paid a lot of money to be here i love this one woman in the in the row beside us she was they were like sit down he's like okay fine i'll get into the aisle and i'll do my stomping around (laughs) right (laughs) There was this one, probably 30-something white man in the very first row, and the ushers told him to sit down multiple times, and he got really nasty. You could We couldn't hear because we were so far away, but I could see the whole drama taking place. Mm. It was hilarious, and he did not sit down once. Meanwhile, Miss Ross was unbothered. Oh, yeah. It's like she didn't even notice. <laughs> and so shortly after we see Diana Ross, we are met with the news of... Miss La Toyota Renee. Really? <laughs> is that racist? I think it's a little racist. It quite possibly is. He means La Porsche. La Porsche from American Idol. Who I tried so hard to like this season. You know, we are want to gravitate toward a black woman on Idol with a big voice and big talent. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of masqueraded as one of those types this season. But save for 
one or two performances, I was just unmoved by her the entire season. You know, I just was never mm-hmm. drawn in to La Portia. I mean, I think she's talented. It's just something about her never really, um, I don't know. And I questioned, I really I questioned her, her vocal choices and her oh, yeah. runs and her growls and her this. It just yeah, seemed it a just bit too many too moving much. parts, you know? It like It's like Beyonce in Destiny's Child. Who could get a little out of control. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, listen, I'm a huge Beyonce and Destiny Child fan, but like, girl, sometimes. You know, people take it for granted that, you know, Mariah is the queen of melisma, mm. but not only she's the queen of melisma, but she knows to a T how to best utilize it, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these women just do it for doing its sake, and that's when it becomes mm-hmm. really annoying. Christina Aguilar. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so this isn't quite the rant level, but just in case you don't know who she is, this uh, she was a contestant in the top three of the final season of American Idol, which just ended. Um, and we actually haven't watched American Idol in a few years since we, Mariah was a judge. That yeah, was season. we held season. on. We held on a lot longer than most people, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just really did was not interesting anymore but la portia was kind of the standout so what did she say let's get into it okay she said she was asked about the uh, anti-gay law passed in mississippi because she's from mississippi okay and uh you know what she thought of it and she said you know i have basically i have gay friends <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are gay and homosexual and they're be- gay that's, and homosexual right? that's a quote <laughs> and you know we're all human. I don't hate anyone. They're nice Basically, people. Exactly. But like, I disagree with their lifestyle. I disagree with the LGBT lifestyle. Has, I wonder, she, has she tried it? I wonder, like, what <laughs> what do these people think the LGBT lifestyle is? Right. And is it just one lifestyle? Do we all share the same, like, freaky deaky lifestyle? Ugh. But it's like, she didn't even have to go there. She gave her right. response at first. And then she doubled down and just said, you know, and on top of it all, <laughs> I don't agree with their lifestyle. Okay. It's it was like, it's where I'm from. It's how I was raised. I don't agree with the lifestyle, but you know, oh, I love all my gay friends. You know, maybe standing in front of and singing in front of JLo and her 0.32 octaves all season <laughs> gave her a bit of confidence that doesn't fit her talent. Maybe, mm. maybe that's what it is. JLo was a good example of how to embrace your gay fans. Right. A very good example. And take a cue from Miss Ross. Take a cue from any Hello. successful diva over time. You are going nowhere without the support of the gays. And let me tell you, the majority of Idol contestants go nowhere. Especially in the past few seasons. Right. Yeah. So, like, you need as much help as you can get, girl. And that is getting you nowhere fast. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, Jennifer Hudson said not not the same thing, but there were some comments that were not like incredibly supportive, mm-hmm. you know, and she was referencing her religion. And I think she had she learned from that and left that far behind because people, women, especially who sing in this genre, they need gay fans like they yeah. really do. Diana Ross wouldn't be what she is. If she didn't have gay fans to push her through, you know? Let's get into the tennis. Let's. So, do you mind if I start? 
go. So Sloan Stevens won. So Charleston we're going to start today. with what happened this week. The most recent stuff first. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So that's all I remember, really. Okay. I heard some. I think you're trying to block out what had happened the two weeks prior. Yeah, I don't really tour. remember like who won Indian Wells Miami. I think it was Cam Newton. <laughs> um. So anyway, Sloan Stevens won Charleston, and. May I say, I'm becoming a Sloan Stevens convert. You're becoming a Sloan Ranger? Excuse me? Or what, what is, is that called? Brad Gilbert? That's Brad Gilbert's thing, but what is what are her fans? I have no okay. idea. I don't know. Yeah, I I never thought it would happen, really. But Do- I, Dr. Scholes will be very pleased I know. to hear this. I really like Sloan's game. And I wasn't able to watch the match today, but I watched the highlights against Vesnina. Who knocked off Sarah Arani. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, I hold a grudge as well as the next person. But you and Sarah Arani go back like babies and pacifiers. We do. Like, that is something you are not letting go of. But I can't believe that you, you aren't even going harder than I am because of how she's been facing Venus. Okay. Right? I think maybe I've chosen to block that out. To Maybe. quote Sloan, she's so disrespectful. <laughs> no, the real enemy here is Sarah Arani. So thank you so much, Elena Viznina, for uh, knocking her out. So I watched the highlights, 10 minutes of wonderful highlights. Sloan, you know when she came around, the the refrain was easy power. Mm-hmm. That's what she has. And it's not like, you know, it looks like she's working hard, hard out there. It's not like she just swings and... It just, like, explodes from her racket. It's not like Madison Keys' power. Right. But there's kind of a relaxed quality about her when she's hitting at full force. And off both wings, it was really amazing to watch her kind of control the center of the court and return these big forehands and backhands really deep in the court and hit the baseline. And really, like, a lot of times Vesnina had nothing to do. She's just pushed back on her heels. But that's not to take away from... uh, how well Vesnina played, especially in the first set. She has incredible touch and finesse at the net, which comes from her extensive doubles career. Sloan beat Kazetkina, Gavrilova, and Kerber. Yeah. On the way to the title. Clearly beating a, a hobbled Kerber, right? Yeah, she had a viral illness. She can't catch a break lately. No, because you know? she's had the, the, the thigh strapping for a while now. Mm-hmm. She's had decent results in spite of it. Right. And... She seemed to be, like, getting back on track. Yeah. You know, she had a few bad results after winning the Australian, which is honestly par for the course. She played a good match against Vika. Yeah, she did. I mean, she was outplayed by Vika. Yes. But everybody has been. But it was competitive. Yes. Right? Yeah. But, yeah, that was too bad to see Angelique go out like that. But And she was also defending uh Yeah. So that means Charleston. that she's going to be number three next week because she had gotten back to number two. Right. Right? So her and Redwanska are, are flips, flipping spaces, mm. switching spaces again. Let me say, too, that I am a big convert to the Angelique Kerber mm-hmm. bandwagon. Because me too. I disliked her blindly for a long time <laughs> because of her wins against Venus. I think one was at Wimbledon and one was at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really resented her for that. And so I didn't even try to like her. Like, I wouldn't even, like, watch her matches for the longest time. Yeah, and I think there were, like, a few kind of iffy sportsmanship moments in her past. 
I can't really put my finger on where they were, but um, I don't. We had this impression that she was kind of nasty. I don't think that was accurate. We, as tennis fans, create these stories and myths in our minds, right? right. To suit our own perspectives and narratives, mm-hmm. right? And so she was the devil for the longest time <laughs> for me, and now I just can't get enough. Yeah, and it helps that she has a game that's not totally typical. You know, she's not a one-dimensional baseline basher, right? Not that that's a bad thing. And if you if you want to talk about shots, distinctive shots in tennis, her short-angled passing shots on both wings yep. are yep. really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Kim Clijsters, who's one of my all-time favorites. So that obviously really appeals to me. But here we have Sloane, who up until last summer had not made a WTA final. And now she's won four titles, three titles this year. I keep, uh, I think, like Auckland, every... Acapulco, and then now in Charleston, right? Right. Unfortunately for her, they're not the biggest titles. And so her ranking hasn't bumped up that much. I know. She's still she's only, only up to 21. number 21. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her career high is 11. So, I mean, that was on the strength of a few deep runs in majors that year. Yeah, that like year she had the semi in Australia. or something. Yeah. But honestly... All she does is win, oh, which Diana Ross sang. <laughs> oh, the she other did. Night. Yes, she yeah, did. Yeah, which you didn't know. I just didn't expect. I mean, it to a seventy-one-year-old knows yeah, that if song, I'd but heard, you don't. I mean, I know what the song is, but with <laughs> Diana Ross singing it, I'm like, what the hell is that? I don't know if it's like some kind of obscure Motown reference that I don't know. You know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> some album track from right. The Boss or something. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if Sloan keeps playing like this. I'm shocked to be saying this, but it feels like one day she will contend for majors. Let's not get into which, that. All right. It's like just, every, it's just everybody, a thought. Yeah, but everybody can look like that from time but to I time. But I said one day. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so tired of that talk. She's just shown a lot of composure in finals, okay. which for a long time was the knock on her. She, I feel like she's found a coaching situation that really works for her as well. She's okay. got game. Yeah, she does. I, Look, I was the first one to tell you that she got game. I know. Like way back when in the US Open when she first had her big showing. I forget mm-hmm. when it was. Maybe she made a fourth round or won a couple matches. You know how the American press goes crazy when a young American yeah. start, you know, wins a match or two. And I watched her play on one of the outer courts. And I said to you, know, like, this girl's gonna, she's gonna be good. Yeah, and I think we said at the time, her game is not super dissimilar from Serena's. I, I don't recall. Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember thinking that. Okay. Accurate or not. One Monaco, one Houston. Yeah, over we Jack had Sock. another good matchup in that final. If nothing else, just to see Pico smile and holding the trophy was worth the price of admission. Right? He was out for a long time. Like enough with of an injury. creeping him on his Instagram I mean, to get your Pico fix. That's what I was doing. Okay. But, like, let's get some court picks, too, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, Jack Sock beat uh, his countryman, John Isner, who recently parted with his coach, Justin Gimmelstab, in the semifinals. And came in, and they put in a pretty exciting match in the finals. Who? Who are you talking about? Oh, sorry. Jack You made it seem like Jack it was an Isner match. Okay. Oh. Well, Jack was carrying, uh, apparently, a shoulder injury, and then late in the third set, he started cramping again. Mm. which has been a common issue for yeah, him Yeah, this now. is not the first time. And, you know, he has lost a lot of chub. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I don't know. Fitness seems to be an ongoing concern for him. I don't know if some he said people he started are... feeling ill the night before. Saturday oh, okay. Night. He was okay. in an air conditioned room and just started feeling, sh- you know, hot and feverish. Yeah. Even though the room was cold. And so he speculated that maybe he's coming down with something. Mm. So who knows? That sucks. And I also don't know. I'm hesitant to just say that it's a fitness issue. Like, I, I honestly don't know how hard he works mm-hmm. in his training. I think it's easy else? It's easy to think of him as this lighthearted, jovial kind of guy, especially on court in doubles, and assume that he's not putting in the work to get to the top level where he his talent presumes he should be, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just predisposed to having these kinds of physical issues. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe some people are just more prone to cramping. Mm-hmm. But officially, in tennis, cramping has been seen as loss of conditioning. Yeah. You know, and they deny treatment for it. We also talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast. Say, for example, and we don't know that this is Jack's goal, but say even if his goal is to just maintain a top 50 ranking, make top 50 money, have fun, you know. Right. If that's his goal. Win a Wimbledon doubles title. Who are we to admonish him and call him out for not reaching the potential that we think he should have, you know? I mean, it's a living. Yeah. It's a job. You know, some people would say, you know, it's a shame that he's not contending for majors. Mm. But I'm saying it's no shame in the career he already has. Right. (laughs) Like, it's tough. It's a tough lifestyle to be at that top level of tennis week in, week out. And maybe some people just don't want it. Well, I also am not surprised that certain players are sick all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, this traveling is really hard on the body. I would be sick all the time. Yes, you would be sick all the time. Yeah, seriously. So, Petra, I'm with you. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking forward to this segment because we're bringing back See What Happened Was, and it's to talk about one of your favorite topics in tennis. Yeah. You're one of your favorite players to mock and make fun of. (laughs) I think that's I think the last time we talked about Camilla Georgia, you said that she owed, she had debtors in all seven continents. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, creditors creditors and it turns out that she has another creditor yeah oh, man listen <laughs> so, so georgie and the italian federation are at war this drama is too good to pass by so she was called to play in fed cup uh the week of stuttgart qualifying and she declined the call from Corrado Barazzutti. Oh, <laughs> flash that Italian, why yeah. don't you? And, uh, I mean, the prospect of winning a car just cannot right. be overlooked, okay? What is it, a Porsche they get? It's a Porsche, yeah. Take one of those Porsches out of Maria's garage. Right. Give that shit back. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> There's um, no need to be that messy right now, okay? okay? Why are you dragging up Maria's name? Okay. We could have gone the entire episode without mentioning Maria's name. So... Getting back to Georgie, she was called to play in Fed Cup. Apparently, because of her agreement with the Italian Federation, they've paid for her training, uh, you know, facilities. She's contractually obligated to play Fed Cup when she's called. And she said, nope, I'm playing qualifying in Stuttgart. And this has set off a shitstorm. The Italian Federation is threatening her with a ban, possibly a lifetime ban if she doesn't play. Which would mean what? 
That would mean that she can't play in the Olympics. Pro- probably. Okay. It's not totally clear. But at this point, it looks like she will not be playing in the Olympics for Italy. She would have been uh, the third qualifier from the country. Behind and now Irani and Vinci, right? Yeah, and Panetta, I'm sure. <laughs> but is she still in the rankings? <laughs> she is. She's still I mean, top 15, I think. Maybe she could come back and just play in the Olympics. <laughs> Uh, and actually, if Georgie doesn't go, then Karen Knapp is the next player okay. for Italy. Unfortunately, it's not Francesca. But It could be. She's still got time. Well, yeah, I guess there is still She's time. She's back inside the top 100 again. She's a former French Open champ, so anything can happen. So if the, Fed, if the Italian Federation bans her, it means she can't play Fed Cup. She can't represent Italy. That's what that means, right? They can't affect... Probably. Yes. Okay. Toward that end, mm-hmm. they're not stopping her from playing tennis. Like they can't affect. Oh no, her no, livelihood no, 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 on the no. WTA. You know, because they're make all that clear. Yeah, they're all independent contractors. Okay. she just wouldn't be able to play like state-sanctioned events, like Fed Cup or the Olympics, because you know, she's representing Italy. Yeah. Uh, now the thing is, I had to uh, read some of these articles in Italian, <laughs> so pardon me if I get anything wrong. There you go again. <laughs> <laughs> no, some of them were in English. And rather than read really bad translations, I tried to muddle through the Italian. Um, So apparently her father is behind this, which is really not surprising. And I'm sure that I've been unfair to Camila in the past because I think her father is really domineering, has a horrible reputation basically around the world in tennis and uh, has done a lot to damage her reputation in tennis, which is unfortunate. But he has been asked to leave the National Tennis Center, and apparently he's on the hook for $300,000 in <laughs> expenses. The Italian Federation... This is, this is where it gets really messy. The Italian Federation is trying to get them to pay back $300,000 in various uh, travel expenses, training, other vague expenditures and then some fees uh resulting from her fed cup performance so presumably this would be recouped through a lawsuit i mean that's the only way they can i guess he's not gonna write them a check for 300 can you imagine right i mean judging on how he has conducted business in the past a i don't think he has it and b he's been avoiding investors and creditors from many different countries for many years at this point. So, sorry, Italian Federation, but you were stupid enough to invest in the Georgies. Like, you didn't hear, <laughs> you didn't read John Wertheim's article two years ago? I'm so sorry, but you're probably not getting your money. Meanwhile, Georgie was playing a final this weekend in Katowice. Yep, in Poland. Yep. Why are you laughing? Because it's uh, yet another city we've had right. to look up the pronunciation. We literally... <laughs> stopped the podcast or let it run while we looked up the pronunciation (laughs) so we're assuming that's the correct pronunciation actually we really need to talk to our friend agnes who is Mm -hmm. polish to help us with some of these pronunciations (laughs) (laughs) yeah so georgie was in the final and lost to sybil cove and you are such a mean shady bitch you quote tweeted somebody today (laughs) when sybil cove beat her and they're showing the trophy presentation they, Mm. they had a picture of it and Dominica is all smiles, and George is just sitting there, standing there. Looking, looking out into the middle distance. Right? And you had said, 
care to I refresh? I had said Georgie's just thinking about the creditors she owes <laughs> on Seven Continents. <laughs> because there are some people on Antarctica. I mean, she must know she's going to have to pay for her, dad, her dad's damages at some point, right? It's coming out of her pocket. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's why she's playing Stuttgart Qualies now. I mean, I don't blame her for wanting to get into a huge clay tournament like that. But you've made this... You signed this contract yeah. with the Italian Federation. Like, it sucks, but that's it is what it is. So let's move on to bigger and better things. Vika winning the Sunshine Double. Oh, is, is that, that what you had in mind? Is that what's next? That's what's next. No, let's let's skip No, that. we're going to deal with that. You need to face your, face your bugaboos. The, the ugly truth? Yes. I don't really have anything to say. That's not true. <laughs> I don't have anything nice to say. Better. <laughs> And it's my duty here to drag that right. nastiness out of you. Okay, so let's start. Let's just start with the facts. Victoria are... Azarenka is back in the top five, yes. where she rightfully belongs. Mm-hmm. She beat Muguruza in an absolute thriller. She beat Kanta, then Kerber, then Kuznetsova to win Miami. All superb wins. Absolutely. These were all players who've done well this year because Natsava was having a hell of a tournament in which she beat Serena Williams. Uh-huh. And Vika had already beaten Serena in the Indian Wells final. Right. In straight sets. So, you know, after this double, she has nothing to prove. She's beaten everyone. It, they were not easy roads to the title. Those so are, what those is are that, the facts. What does that say? What can we extrapolate now? Oh, well, according to the tennis media, that means she's the best player in the world. According to some in the tennis media. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's... A, I, I I feel like I'm fairly in tune with what's going on <laughs> in tennis and reading... You are? Yeah, and reading a lot of tennis headlines lately for, mm-hmm. you know, the This Week in Tennis stuff that I do. And I really haven't seen that a whole lot. It may, it may be like an insulated thing for you on your own Twitter okay. that you're seeing. Because well, people who are inclined aka serena stands yeah to take issue with this kind of thing they're the ones who are actually going out looking for it that is true the serena army is really good at like drudging that stuff up right but it's, let it it's be ridiculous known. serena is known. the best player in the world it is, it is ridiculous. she's still number one vika mathematically it's probably possible or even probable at this point that she'll be number one by the end of the year with all the points that serena has to defend what? yes what yes come on Serena didn't even play a single tournament in the fall. Come on. She didn't win a title in the summer, did she? She, was she, really... she has 2,000 points at the French, 2,000 at, at Wimbledon, finals points at the US Open, semifinal points at the yeah, US Open. Yeah, but who's saying that she can't win those? I'm not saying she can't. I'm saying All it's right. mathematically probable right. that it could happen. But remember, Serena only won five titles last year. I understand. She can make up ground. I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not, if you're so inclined to jump on this Vika bandwagon now, mm-hmm. like there is a path forward, not like Bernie Sanders right now, but there's a path <sighs> forward. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, getting back to like the best player in the world, this is silly. By the same token, you could say that Kerber was the best player in the world for 14 days. Mm-hmm. Azarenka was the best player in the world for about 20 days when she won Indian Wells in Miami. But that's not how we talk about who the best is. We have very short memories. So Vika has, well, her and Kerber have had the best year so far. 
Definitely. and Sloan, number three, right? Right. Those three. But Vika has won bigger titles. Yes. And Kerber won the only major. They, they've had better years than Serena. Not Sloan. But Vika and Kerber have. No doubt. But does that mean they're the best players? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. It's uh, too soon to get ahead of ourselves. Right. Is, the point is, is our bottom line. Vika has to play her absolute best to beat Serena. She has to play at 100%. The thing that I look at Vika playing right now as the biggest indicator of her her potential for further greatness this year is how in shape she is. Mm. Like this is the best she's looked physically in a long long time. And she's in she's in top shape, top tennis playing shape. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound like sour grapes, but I'm sure it will. I mean, um, it's not about sounding. It mm-hmm. is sour grapes. Oh, okay. No, we were talking, you and I, about... I don't know if this is the case, but Vika doesn't really seem to inspire like a lot of really passionate devotion, at least mm-hmm. among kind of the the tennis Twitter people, as much as other players do. You know, she's weird. She's definitely weird. But... There's there's maybe, like, something... I feel like there's not, like, this X factor in her persona that gets people super excited. I don't, do you I don't have a way of gauging that. I just mm-hmm. know I run very hot and cold with Vika. And yeah. I realize that there's a direct correlation between her winning and how cold I am toward her. <laughs> and right now, I'm I know. quite frosty Honestly, toward Azarenka. When she and Serena play and Serena wins... But Vika plays really, really well. I love Vika. I just need her to lose. <laughs> you know, when she loses, I appreciate her competitive will, the surprising variety she has mm. when she needs it. But even when she's playing people that I don't necessarily like, or there's a match where I don't have a vested interest, I'm just not drawn to her that way. Mm. You know, there, she doesn't stir anything in me. Yeah. And that that dabbing business is so far out of control and way past its expiration date. Mm-hmm. And yet it still continues. And now she just does these kind of abbreviated dabs. It's like... Oh, she stopped like the sleeper dab? Yeah, it's just like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quick. It lasts oh less than a God. second. It needs and it stop. doesn't seem to have like a place. It's not like she's going to the center of the court and like advertising mm. it to the crowd. It's just like, there's a fist pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dab. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god it seems very erratic and out of place on top of everything it's it's truly bizarre it's bizarre because it doesn't seem like it's not her it's not natural well we talked about this with her our feelings of her cultural appropriation (laughs) before right right anyway yeah whatever moving on i am so happy for miss svetlana kuznetsova or Kuznetsova. <laughs> Whichever. Uh, she's up to number 13 in the world after her strong run in Miami. Mm-hmm. Made the final, lost to Vika in straight sets. And she also won a tournament to start the year. I believe that was Sydney. So she's had a couple of really top-notch results in 2016. And she's only 30 years old. She's been around forever, mm-hmm. and yet we have yet another coming of Kuznetsova. She was so young when she won the U.S. Open. 
She was 18, I think. 2004, that was. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's just so much to love about her game and her personality. And at this point, her history, you know, she has a legacy within the game. And she seems to be so loved on tour. Yeah. By damn near everybody. And she's had such great matches with Serena. With Schiavone. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I just love Svetlana. I really do. And folks make fun of her all the time for underachieving, so to speak. Mm. I mean, she's won two majors. How many players go on to win four to five? Not many. Right. I mean, so I the think... fact that she's a two-time major winner on two different surfaces and has played the top players so well for most of her career. You know, mm. I'm happy to have her back playing well again. Given the state of women's tennis right now, who is to say she's not one of the favorites to win the French Open <laughs> at this point? She is a former winner, and she has been the favorite even in years that she didn't win. You know, she has such a beautiful game for the clay. The other person I'm really excited for, based on what we've seen in 2016, is Gamal Mofis. Long maligned as having quote-unquote French brain and not being able to put together consistent results. Lo and behold, Movis has won, has made the quarters in five of the six tournaments he's entered in 2016. Right. And won the matches he's supposed to win and then played those iffy matches against better players really well. Mm. He turned in one of the matches of the year against Nishikori in Miami. Right. Yeah, but you know, better late than never. He's only 29. <laughs> he's a young he's buck. 29 already yeah. oh my god we don't often get well i shouldn't say we don't often get we often don't talk about doubles on the podcast and it's not because we're not interested in it it's because i guess we're biased towards singles <laughs> also we never see doubles that's true it's hard to talk about stuff when you're not actually watching the matches mm -hmm. and i barely have time to watch any tennis so singles comes first but there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. Especially in the last month. Mehu and Herbert won Indian Wells and Miami back-to-back. -back. They were part of three tennis entities that completed right. the so-called Sunshine Double. Vika did it, Nole did it, and then Mehu and Herbert. And actually, Bethany Maddox-Hands did it too. With Just two with different, different partners. partners. Ah. Hello. And then made the final again this week in Charleston. Right. She's been balling. She's coming I mean, for that Martina Hingis spot. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. This season is shaping up to be exciting in women's doubles because mm -hmm. so Martina and Sania won the four titles to start the year. And now they've had, you know, pretty so-so results. Mm -hmm. They've won pretty much everything since the French Open last year. Yeah. After Bethany and Lucy won the Australian and the French. Mm -hmm. And so with Santino winning so much to start the year and now having Shavashava and Matic Sands back in full force, this makes the rest of the year really exciting in doubles for me. Mm -hmm. In women's doubles, at least. Yeah, so Santino had some pretty uncharacteristic losses. They made the quarterfinal in Doha and then... Two early losses, round of 16 losses in Indian Wells in Miami. So, I mean, we're used to them winning every single tournament they enter. So any loss is notable. When you're getting into matches with super tie breaks every week, 
it it's no it's some kind of miracle that they hadn't lost uh, yeah. matches during that 40 something match win streak uh, yeah right? that is true the murray family has its first number one <laughs> in anything i'm sure for judy murray it's andy's little kid is number one in that okay family right, right? <laughs> but jamie murray is the number one doubles player he had partnered with John Pierce to be runner-up at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open last year, mm. and then won the Australian Open for his first Grand Slam title with Bruno Suarez this year. Mm-hmm. And even though his results haven't been great the last few weeks, who cares? He still managed to <laughs> jump to number one. Right. And so, uh, finally, the other Murray brother gets some love. Right. You know, the Bryan brothers had been suffering a really long drought without a title and it i think it was their longest since like 2001 or 2002 and with some really awful losses yeah some head scratching like easy 6262 mm-hmm. losses in early round matches and he was i kind of wondered like what's like is this it well i think a lot of people were thinking well you know they're 35 how old are they 35 36 Maybe, you know, this is just a normal decline. And it still could be. But they won the title in uh, Houston at the Clay Court Championships. And they beat Nadal Verdasco in one of the Sunshine events. Uh, uh, boo. <laughs> Two more things we'll talk about before we wrap up the episode, because we have no need for this to be one big, long, epic episode. Right. right. We're going to talk about the upcoming Clay season, which I guess is kind of already here. But before that, one of the worst, best worst stories coming out of Miami was that a French camera woman had two of her really expensive professional cameras stolen from the Miami press room, Mm -hmm. which seems pretty incredible that something like that could happen. Apparently, there's only one security guard outside the press room, and they don't always check credentials, even though you need a credential to get in Mm. kind of situation. And also... I imagine there are lots of other people in the press room, and so nobody noticed somebody having to unscrew these cameras from whence, from where they were hooked up. Like, they literally had to physically detach mm. them, both of them, oh. and then walk out with them, and nobody noticed. And then the tournament organizers and the sponsors are saying, sorry, we have no liability. We're not going to help really? you out. Like, $12,000 really? worth of equipment. The sponsors? The sponsors. Like that, this is a perfect example of how in this day and age, you should be able to tell that this kind of shitstorm is going to come your way right. in the social media age. How much would that kind of positive publicity cost? Especially like, at an event right. that doesn't have it right now. Right. Like, <laughs> you know? It would probably cost you a lot more than 12 grand. Mm. Like this is served up on a platter to make you look good. Right. And they chose not to. And so... The photographer, Corinne, I cannot pronounce her last name. French people help us. De Bruy? De Bruy. Let's not try. She wrote about it, and then her colleagues shared the story on Twitter. Alizé Cornet started a crowdfunder, which Joel Isonga then shared on his Twitter. The French really rallied amongst themselves to yeah. help this person out, you know? And that was the best part about it for me. Because hopefully these funds will be recouped. It's still a traumatic thing to go through. Right. But the the long-term damages could be lessened significantly because Mm of all the help that she got. And players rallying around a journalist. Can you imagine? It must be because she's a photographer. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> she doesn't write mean things. Right. Monte Carlo starts by the time you will have been listening to this episode. And nine of the top ten players in the world will be playing, with the exception of Nishikori, which means that Federer is back like he was supposed to be. Right. Previously. He's officially back. He's officially back. And which he hasn't always played Monte Carlo, right? No, he hasn't. I mean, Rafa has won Monte Carlo like 25 times. <laughs> and Rafa has, I mean, this so, draw is horrible. Russell in the it's second round, team in the third round. Like, team in the third round? As if it's not bad enough to have to play Murray or Barinka before you get to the final. Mm-hmm. You have to play somebody who's had an incredible year and loves playing on clay in the third round. So... We know that the draws don't always mean everything. Right. So let's see how it plays out. But mm. I remember looking at the draw and seeing Novak's draw first. And I was like, oh, damn, that's tough. <laughs> then I saw Rafa's and I was like, you've got to be fucking yeah. kidding me. And I mean, Federer, I think, is on Novak's side, right? Mm-hmm. This is his first tournament back. He is a world-class player on clay. But is he really going to challenge the top players in his first tournament on a really punishing surface that takes a lot of endurance you know i think this tournament is just kind of get your feet wet this is the kind of tournament that really could set the tone for the the rest of the clay season and the year because there are a lot of things to look for there's djokovic on clay for the first time in the Mm -hmm. year there's rafa at one of his favorite events and courts right talking like He's a totally different player from last year. The results haven't always reflected that this year. He's still without a title. But he said this week that the difference between him this year and last year is that last year he was fighting himself and this year he's fighting opponents. So we talked... No, I know you're very skeptical about that, but we talked a lot last year about how dispiriting it was to listen to Rafa talk about himself in these doubting ways. Mm -hmm. This incessant negativity the self-doubt and he's no longer exhibiting that yeah so maybe there's something good to come that we just haven't seen yet i'm generally very skeptical of this sort of athlete cliche speak because when i hear that when i hear rafa say that he's now what did he say he's Uh, not fighting himself now fighting fighting opponents i'm kind of like okay then show us don't you, tell us yeah, but you, know? you know what he means like you know he's been asked that question seventy-two thousand times in the last year right he gets asked it every week you know like, okay take the man at his word okay all right fine <laughs> i mean just to be a little pedantic here last year he was fighting himself and opponents my god <laughs> we're gonna have to wrap this up soon because <laughs> i've had enough of his ass for one show <laughs> I was going to say, actually, that I've, I'm so happy that there are two clay tournaments in the U.S. I absolutely love that. And I wish there were more. I would love to get down to Charleston one of these days and see the green clay. It's doable. It's very doable. It we is, just have yeah. to plan it. And, you know, I wish there were like a big clay tournament in the U.S. with a really big draw. Honestly, if Indian Wells turned to clay, that would be no big loss to me. I think you're trying to say if Indian Wells turned to dust. D- and 
<laughs> and just disappeared from the face no, of the earth. No, 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 no. If Indian Wells like moved, um, maybe to the East Coast, and like, why can't we have a summer event in Long Island or something? You know, or Boston. But we why, have why events be in on the East Coast in the yeah, summer. Connecticut, New Haven. Like Newport, they're not big cities, you know. Right. Part of the fun of going to these events can be that you're going to a really big city and exploring the city as Mm. well. You know, Charleston supposedly lovely, fine. Houston supposedly great as well. I've heard good things, but like, it's no Rome, it's no Monte Carlo. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Yeah, we're getting into one of my favorite stretches of the year, and I think a lot of people love the European clay swing. There's just so much. I think a lot of Rafa fans love. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but there's just so much tradition. The courts are so beautiful, especially Rome and Monte Carlo. The settings are incredible. And as a Rafa fan for years, you could, you know, save money on your wig upkeep because you knew that nobody was coming to snatch it for a few months. <laughs> it God, it was so easy to be a Rafa right. fan back then. <laughs> At least on clay. And then when he started beating Federer on grass, it was just like Wow. Extra. It's like Christmas and cherry May. on top. <laughs> So hopefully the next time we come to you, we'll have good Rafa news on Clay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so stick with us. We're going to be doing some episodes, obviously, during the Clay season. And it was refreshing to do an episode today that wasn't so issues heavy. And also not very top player heavy. You know, we didn't really Mm -hmm. talk about many of the top players, which I like. (laughs) You know, let's see. I feel like we get a bit repetitive sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what Miss Stevens does in the clay season, and then we'll reassess. Because, you know, I you thought I jumped the gun a little bit. No, not jumping the gun. She deserves her due, just like we're not calling her... I'm not calling her a world beta yet. Okay. Just saying. Fair enough. As always, you can follow The Body Serve on Twitter, at The Body Serve. I'm Jonathan, and my Twitter handle is at SportsscribeCA. And I'm James, and I'm at ElliotJMR. Two L's, two T's. Hit us up with a review on iTunes. Or tweet at us, let us know how you like the episode, stuff that you wish we'd talk about, suggestions, anything that could be helpful to us. Till next time.